Before I get started, I'd like to open up in prayer. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity to proclaim the gospel today and to share on something that grieves my heart and really the reason why I've gotten to do this study. So I pray that it will be beneficial for your people. Lord, give me the strength, give me the grace, and may I teach it properly. It's in your name I pray, amen. So as I've said, um, well, before I get into that, um, we've discussed the history, we've discussed a little bit of their theology, um, how they develop into Deuteronomy 28, how they come up with that. Now we're going to get into something I think can be prevalent for all of us. If you have a, have a heart for the people, it's, it's a, this is what it's all about. This is why I started addressing this movement. I heard their gospel and I was grieved. And that was why I um, took up to challenge many who are in this movement. And so as you see on the board, although as covenant theologians, I don't think we would have a problem with with that statement, right? Salvation for Israel and Israel only. We're like, hey, what's the problem with that? Well, what they mean by that is ethnic Israel. Only ethnic Israels can be saved. So, and we'll get around, because the Bible's pretty clear about Gentiles being saved, right? Well, we'll get around how they get around that. And so, their assertion is that the Bible was about and for Israelites only, right? He didn't write to Gentiles, right? So they would say, the Bible is a history book. Only Israel's can be saved. So a couple proof texts. Uh, they'll go to Matthew 15, 24. And if you've ever dealt with Islam, you've, you've dealt with this verse. Other religions will use it. But Matthew 15, 24, if y'all want to turn there, y'all can. I'll read it. It says, he answered, speaking of Jesus, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. There we go, right? Argument over. Only Israel can be saved, right? Well, funny enough, <laughs> right after that, Jesus marvels at this Canaanite woman's great faith. I mean, so Jesus is, is, is Jesus contradicting himself literally a couple verses or sentences later? Absolutely not. Um, something else they'll use, Psalm 147, 19 through 20. If anybody could read that for me, I'll turn to it myself. Psalm 147, 19 and 20. 147, so 147, 19 and 20. Psalm 147, verses 19 and 20. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He has not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not, they have not known, known them. Praise you, the Lord. There we go, right? Um, he shows his statutes and rules to, 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 to Israel. And, and if you're out in the street, it'll go something like this. To Israel, they'll, they'll say, he'll say statutes and rules to Israel. To, to Gentiles, no Israel. You know, they'll do this little mocking game, like, um, you know, just to show that's what the word is saying. Well, yeah, God sent the commandments to Israel on tablets. Not, he didn't do that with other nations. No, no one's objecting to that. And so, matter of fact, this is, a, this is one, one strange thing. This, they actually, some of them will say, well, other nations can't even sin because they don't have the law. Now, why you complain about slavery? I don't know. Um, kidnapping a person. So they're not real consistent with that. They'll, they'll say, well, and I, matter of fact, I was just watching a uh, dialogue that was happening last week. 
where a guy was asking about that. And, um, yeah, he was saying, no, other, other nations can't sin. They didn't have the law given to them. But we see all over the Old Testament, you know, the prophets describing the wickedness of the other nations. And so, um, right, yeah, right, right. That's why he killed them all, right, the Noah's flood, because they did break the law. Um, And so when it gets to they did not know his rules, yeah, they were not given the commandment of Moses. Or they write on the tablets, they were were not given that. But they still knew murder was wrong. They still I mean, even Paul says that they do by things uh, of of nature that are right, you know. So even though man does not have God's word, they still know what is right and wrong. They don't they don't they wouldn't hold to that, Um, which I find kind of disturbing that you would because all all, all the time when they're on the street, they'll complain about how wicked the Gentile nations are. But then they'll say at the same time they, they they can't sin. How they reconcile the two? Don't ask me. That, that I don't know. <laughs> yes. How do they make the leap from Adam to Abraham, being that Adam wasn't a Jew, that the nation of Israel was not established by God? How do they make that leap? Yeah, Israel? that's actually a good question because uh, one of the things I actually bring up is that Abraham was not a Jew yeah. by birth. Right. He was actually the. That's why he's the father of faith because he was the first. Although he was not the first person, like you said, Adam was. No one from Adam to Abraham were considered Jews. Adam, uh, Abraham was the first Jew. He was brought from the uh, land of Ur of Chaldeans. Uh, God made him a Jew. Matter of fact, Jesus says, I can turn these stones. To, so, wait, how do, how, how, do these, how do you turn something, you know, stones or rocks to children of Israel when their father weren't Israelites? Because that's their whole thing. When you run into them on the street, they'll ask you, what is your father? And so maybe it'll be Chris. He'll say, well, my father's a black man, so-called black man. Are uh, you from tribe of Judah? Maybe uh, maybe Wally walks up. Well, what's your father? Uh, anybody, well, maybe a white man. Oh, he was a German man that came from the uh, the cave mountains, right? That's that's your descendant from Esau, as we talked about last week. Uh, Esau, so they would they would see him as the prototypical devil. Since Esau, as we just talked about last week, is the prototypical devil since he is the, I guess, red man. They're making that connection. Is there? Okay. So when in regards to salvation, they don't really think of in terms of like we do, like the forensic righteousness of Christ being imputed to sinners by faith alone in Christ alone. Now, if you say that, they'll be like, yeah, we agree. But that's not their, you ask them what the gospel is. They'll go to um, Texas, um, losing me right now, but the text in Isaiah that talks about the, uh, oh, man, I'm forgetting it. But the gospel, well, Jesus quotes it about being preached. He came to preach, the, to set the poor captives. You know, they'll, they'll think, so they think of that in a, in a society sense. Like, well, the black man is poor. Jesus came for the poor man, right? But, I mean, all nations have been poor, right? It's not just a, a black thing. There's white poor people. So that's how they mainly look at it, that, that God came for Israel because they are the uh, oppressed. So, you, I mean, you can kind of see some of that same language in a lot of uh, um, 
with this the woke gospel kind of like that where that's all it's about like the societal oppression jesus wants to get rid of that and that's salvation um i i definitely disagree with that and i find problems with that especially when you get in the uh gospel which we'll get more into that in a second so i know the question that is rising in your head is like okay well what about the Gentiles? What do they do with all the texts that say that the Gentiles can be saved? Well, there's a mixed consensus about that. Um, some camps will say, no, the Gen- they'll, they'll actually, when it's clearly speaking of a Gentile or a Greek person, they may say, okay, well, he can be saved. But there's even some, in all the camps, there is a sub-saving, sub, sub like, the Israel salvation is greater than the Gentile. There is no Galatians 3.28, you know, uh, at the foot of the cross, we're all equal. There is none in any of the camps. And that's only a few of them. And so mo- mainly all of them will say uh, none, no, no uh, Gentile can be saved. And so let's give an example of this. Ephesians 2 and 11. Because I believe this is actually, it's, this is, I believe, the clearest text on whether Gentiles can be saved. It's almost like Paul prophetically knew a cult will rise up in the 1960s and is addressing them personally, you know. <laughs> Ephesians 2.11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh call the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, that is the Jews, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that at one time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Clear, right? So this is their hermeneutic. So just to give the quick rundown on every time you read that a Gentile is saved, they have a presupposition. And that presupposition is that every time you see that word Gentile, and it's speaking of him in the positive sense, being saved. It's actually talking about an Israelite. And so I know some of you are like, wait a minute. Do words have meanings anymore? You know, is something wrong? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, so they'll read this time. Therefore, at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh. See, that's an Israelite. He's accepted Greek customs. He's adopted. So, you call this person a Gentile because he's behaving like one. Well, the problem is it actually says he's a Gentile in the flesh. It doesn't just, it's like if I would say, hey, this is a Israelite in the flesh. They wouldn't have, matter of fact, in Romans 10 when it says that, they have no problem. See, this is an is Israelite brother. And one thing I challenge them, why can't it work the opposite way? Why can't, if we see a, a Gentile in the flesh, who's acting like an Israelite, why can't we call them an Israelite? Well, because they don't want them to be saved. So you'll go through all these texts, you know, the Roman centurion, Cornelius, all these, uh, Timothy, all these texts were saying Gentiles. There's, matter of fact, there's even a category difference, right? Even in this text, the circumcision, or the called the uncircumcised by what is called the uh, circumcision, right? This clear is two groups of people. Well, they'll say things like, well, that was the, they'll make a difference between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Israel and say, well, they were actually 
But you see how complicated that is? You see how, like, that actually destroys the meaning of the text? I mean, because even, even, if, they, even if I grant them that, they still weren't strangers to the covenant. They still weren't, you know, um, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Even if I want to grant them the, the northern and southern kingdom divide, sometimes, okay, fine. But it, you still have a problem. They, they were not Gentiles in the flesh. Like, if it said Gentiles, okay, maybe I'll give you, give you that argument. But it, it just says they were Gentiles in the flesh. And so that's one way, that's one thing that, you can, that I uh, like to bring out. Um, turn with me to Acts 6 and 1. Because there's actually a word for what they're trying to uh, get at. And it's not Gentile. There's actually a word, a, a biblical term that the Bible uses to discuss a, a Jewish person who has adopted the Greek customs and language. It says, now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a, a complaint by the Hellenist, that is a Jew who is a Greek-speaking Jew, rose against the Hebrews. Wait a minute. So, we, so at the very least, I tell them, isn't it just very confusing if Paul is trying to say only Israelites can be saved and there's a word to say this Israelite who's adopted the Greek customs? Like, it's just very confusing to use that word. Like, when you use the Hellenist term to, to refer to them, but Paul doesn't. Many of the gospel writers doesn't. Um, didn't the southern kingdom know salvation was for them? Like, there's no text that says, well, the southern, southern, or, southern or northern kingdom they were cut off and strangers of the covenant, and they didn't know they can be saved, and now Paul is coming to come preach the gospel to them. You see the presupposition? They have a theology, and they want to throw it on the text. As a matter of fact, this was actually earlier in their camps, the big, um, a big divide, like a big argument, because uh, Luke, was pretty, Luke is pretty clear, right, him being a Gentile himself, right, uh, pretty clear about it. And so, and some of the guys got into a dispute about Cornelius. Well, Tahar, leader of GMS, his answer was the trick bag doctrine. God was tricking Cornelius. Funny enough, and like, I guess there was a dispute. Funny enough, that's actually, I think the, uh, I think he was like dismissed from that camp. But funny enough, that's a common answer you'll get about Cornelius. God was tricking him. So God was deceiving, right? <laughs> he's, he's lying, right? Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Um, I want to go to a few texts, and then I want to get to Acts 15. Could somebody get me? Acts 9.15, somebody else, give me Acts 14.4. I got 9.15. 9.15? Who's, okay. All right, read that one first. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. So look at those different category groups. Can you read that, 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 those categories? Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. If they were all Israelites, I mean, you could just say Israelites. I mean, 
why why bring up all those category groups? Why bring up Gentiles, Israelites, if they're all the same people? I, they don't really have answers. Well, it's just Israelites, you know. Can you read that verse? Uh, eighteen four. Why is Paul reasoning with people who can't be saved? Why why is he reasoning with people ethnically who don't have a chance, who who can't So let me discuss their view of man cuz maybe this will make more sense. They it's almost like they have a view of Pelagianism and fatalism just mixed. And you may be like how are those even Well, for Israelites it's almost like this Pelagianism view, men are born good and fully able to do anything righteous, but for the Esau, Edomites, it's almost as fatalistic. You, fatalistic, you can't do anything good. You're going to be like your forefathers. And so that's kind of like their view of man. You know, yes. Wouldn't they just do the whole yeah, they, they, yeah, they would do that. Yeah, they would, but the point I'm making is that, that uh, Luke the writer of Acts, is distinguishing them as people groups. There's no point to put Greeks and Jews if they're the same people, people group. Was there a question? Yes. Right. 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 And matter of fact, that's the point Paul gets at in Ephesians 3, that this is the mystery of the gospel, is that this has always been in the plan of God to join uh, Jew and Gentile. Matter of fact, in Revelation 5, it talks about God in heaven being men from every tongue, tribe, nation. (laughs) I once had a conversation with a uh, guy from IUIC, and I was like, why do you have... Every tongue, tribe, and nation, or people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, they're worshiping the Lamb. And he told me, this is his answer. He was like, well, the Gentiles are there by force. And it's like, when you have a theology, you can come up with any answer. <laughs> you know, but the text, obviously the text doesn't say that. They're freely, be, freely worshiping, just like the Israelite, worshiping the Lamb. And so... Acts 15, because this is actually the council of Jerusalem here. And um, if this if if this won't get obviously it's got to be by the spirit. But I think this text is just so clear. I'll read it. Uh, Matter of fact, I'll start at verse six, uh, chapter 15, verse six. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter who's an Israelite, stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you, that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them, not us, right, them, the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. Follow the pronouns, right? And he made no distinction between us and them having cleansed their hearts by faith, 
Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by putting a yoke on the neck of disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Listen to this. But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. (laughs) Pretty clear, right? Um, The pronouns is just showing you. Follow the pronoun of the argument, and it will show you there is a distinction between physical Israelites and physical Gentiles, and they both can be saved. Yes. I think it's interesting that he didn't include them in that. They're not included in that our forefathers. Right. He didn't also say their forefathers. Right. Which even if they were behaving like Gentiles or had adopted some weird culture, right. they still would be exactly. their forefathers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly the point. Um there's there's no there's no real discussion like that in the New Testament like that. Well, if they're behaving like this, they're considered a Gentile in the flesh. You you know, um, like and this isn't anything new. Even in the Old Testament, men men could be come into the covenant. The stranger is actually a non-Israelite person, and they'll they'll jump around with that word too. Just like they do with Gentiles. So I like to to attack the presupposition. What is the, since we have to prove everything precept by precept, give me a precept that shows you that Israelites that act like Gentiles are actually considered Gentiles in the flesh. So I'll, I'll jump into their worldview, right? Do it presuppositionally. Give me the precepts that says that. They, they don't have one. It's they insert it. And if you buy into it, I mean, if you've already bought into Deuteronomy 28, you're going to buy into that already. So it's once they catch you, capture you with the emotional appeal that you're an Israelite. I mean, that's why some people believe a guy is the Holy Spirit walking around. I mean, if you can I mean, think about it, if, if you are so captivated that you are this people group and this person taught you that you're under his kind of authority, so to speak. And really, Scripture isn't what they're under. It's, I mean, just whatever appeal they can do to approve they are the little Israelites. All right, so, oh, wait, before I get there, salvation in the law. <laughs> Many black Hebrew Israelites would insert that the only thing Christ came to do, do away with or fulfill, is animal sacrifices. So they'll argue with you about Sabbath, pork, anything on the ceremonial laws you are obligated to do, except the stoning part, right? Um, they, don't, they don't follow that part. <laughs> uh, which I say, why not? Since Christ came only to do with animal sacrifices. Turn to Matthew 5.18, because this, this is the hotbed verse they'll use. I'll start at 17. It says, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. So they think this verse is actually proving their point. It's actually backfiring on them because it didn't say I come to accomplish one thing. It says all things. So. Either Christ came to do away with animal sacrifices or he came or either it's either it's nothing right now and you're still obligated to keep the animal sacrifices 
or he actually fulfilled animal sacrifices as long with the law. So they actually put themselves in a conundrum. And I think when we went out there, that was one of the things we brought up. They, they don't have an answer for that. And because their view of grace is distorted, let me tell you what their view of grace. Let me define that because they'll say things like grace, but just like the Mormons, they have a def- different definition. Just like justification, they have a different definition. Their view of grace is, so you know, anybody ever, you know, been late on a bill, you know, been a few days late? You know, uh, you get a grace period to pay it back, right? So that's, no, that's seriously their view of grace. Grace is not the unmerited favor of God. It's actually a period. Right now we're in grace. You're in grace until you can get your act together to keep those laws God told you to do. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, so they'll, they'll, Right. So if you're so if you're a brother, right, a black man or minority, they'll come and say, well, right now you are in grace. Right now we're in the time of the Gentiles. But when God ushered his kingdom back, oh, you're going to be cut off. So they'll have like a two third. They'll say, well, the the some camps will say the two thirds rebellious will be cut off. I'm not sure if they think they'll become slaves in the kingdom or they'll just be kind of annihilated because they don't have a view of hell. They, they're, they're kind of a, it's weird when you get into their view of uh, eternal destruction. Um, so I usually go to a text like Romans 3.28. And if you want to see somebody struggle, this is the text to bring a Hebrew Israelite to, to make them. I mean, you think it's bad with Roman Catholicism? They make Roman Catholicism look like scholars dealing with justification. Um, matter of fact, they have the same gospel that you are just, and they, it's funny. They're so like bigoted Roman Catholic, not just like they hate their doctrine, like just bigoted, like anything Roman Catholic Catholics say, they're like, it's wrong. And so they, they're, they're contrarian to say the least. Um, it says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So I ask, I'll ask them. How is a person saved according to this text? Well, like a good eisegetical, you know, by Hebrew Israelite, they have to either run to James 2, different contexts, or they'll read verse 31 and think it's actually proving their point. They'll say, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. Therefore, we're saved by the law. But you're literally contradicting what he just said. As a matter of fact... Romans 4, because this is a continued argument. Look at verse 5. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So the person who is counted as righteous, according to Paul, is the person who does not work, but believes. I mean, they'll have to deal with that. Um yeah, they'll they'll like to rather than, you know, because they they have no they have no uh, theology that would allow them to read the letter through because of Isaiah twenty eight ten precept must be upon precept line upon line here a little there a little. That's kind of like their excuse to eisegete. And so when you're asking them, let's go through this, they'll they, they won't do it, even though these were letters. They, 
these were letters written to churches. You wouldn't, you know, if I wrote you a letter, you wouldn't do that. You would read it through and get the context. They actually, they actually oppose context. They'll say things like, where does the Bible say read in context? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Something I I haven't really thought of. That's a good point. They 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 act like they were just dropped off the New Testament at their door. Like that's not how the churches got their letters. Well, that's that's the point. They're not really they don't, they don't really know these things. And so I would imagine they probably think that's how the Bible was given. I mean, that's something I could. Yeah, that's something I can ask. But uh, textual criticism, uh, how the Bible was given, not their strong suits. I mean, when you think Yahawashai was actually God's <laughs> name in the Old Testament, you're not really concerned about those things. And so, so yeah, so every text, so you'll read text like that, text in Galatians. What they'll try to do is find anywhere where the law is brought up and say see and so for for Romans 328 they'll they'll interpret that um for the one for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works to the law they'll say well that's talking about the sacrificial law well two problems one it says works it's plural not one work of the law but plural secondly in verse 20 this is something I like to bring up to them for by no works for by works of the law. No human being will be justified in his sight. Paul wouldn't tell them anything new there. Everyone knew that no one thought salvation was through animal sacrifices. Since through the law, that same law, right? The same law, which is by the works by the works of the law. No human being will be justified since through that law comes knowledge of sin. So you mean to tell me when. They committed animal sacrifices. They knew they sinned or were they did they sin and already had knowledge. Therefore, they committed these animal sacrifices. It's the latter. But how they would interpret that would have to be. Now, they're not going to be consistent and say, yeah, that's right. But it's a uh, if you're going to interpret law as animal sacrifices there in 28. Nothing has been new has been introduced, introduced from verse 20 to 28. So you will have to keep it the same. And a matter of fact, animal sacrifice has not been mentioned until this point. The only mention of sacrifice is in chapter 12. And it's not talking about animal sacrifices. It's talking about us being a living sacrifice. So the point is, and I'm actually working on, I might be contributing to a book. um, And this is actually going to be the text I'm raising um, to them, their view of justification according to Romans 3.28. the point is they have to insert it, insert that it's animal sacrifices rather than prove that that's actually what it's speaking of. There's no there's no evidence. So. Yeah, so that's their view of the gospel. You're saved by your works through, you know, according with faith. You can see why it, I'm, I'm passionate about that, because that is a gospel that won't save. That is another gospel. And if any of these guys trust in that gospel, 
they will they will perish. They will go to hell. And this is the kind of stuff that destroys communities, destroys black communities, destroys minority communities. It's false gospels that are rampant in them. It's it's not necessarily the drugs, though that's a problem, right? We we can acknowledge that. It's not necessarily the racism. It's not necessarily the black on black crimes. It's it's false gospels that feed for people to for these drugs and the racism to right this this gospel says you can be a racist. And God's pleased with it. Matter of fact, they'll say God is a racist. Romans 9, God hated Esau, right? God's a racist. So, yeah, it, 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 it infuriates me to hear their gospel proclaimed on the streets. Because it's a gospel that, when embraced, will damn you. And so, y'all pray for me in that because I definitely want to see these guys uh, taken out of these movements. And I know people who have. I know people who have come out of these movements. A uh, gentleman named by, uh, goes by Brother Jay. He was, I do a lot of work with him. He was formerly in the IUIC uh, for a couple years. Came out and embraces the true gospel. Is reformed in his thinking. And so the Lord can save, right? As being reformed, right? We know the Lord can bring people out. My, my desire is to go in and to be a vessel. That's it. Next point. And um, I don't normally... I'm not, you know, big on showing pictures, you know, but I just want you guys to see what they'll be presenting. This is, in their view, Christ. Now, weird thing is, I've seen this picture used as the father, too. So they kind of have a Mormon view of the father, that God is a black man. So they they, they hark on the Catholic. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they only don't like it because it's white. If it was black, I guess they wouldn't have a problem with the Catholic Church. Okay, let's let's get into that. Uh, somebody read to me Revelations one fourteen and five, because I'm gonna show you that you guys have been following this whitewash Jesus, right? <laughs> we all teach here, right? Jesus is white, <laughs> and let me say something about that. I don't think anyone in this room would have a problem with Jesus being black, right? None of us care. Honestly, I don't think it's good to have a mental picture of what Jesus looks like. I don't think it's healthy. Um, I don't care if Jesus is white, black, Puerto Rican, purple. I don't care, right? His life and death and resurrection is what saves, not his skin color. And so... Revelations 1, 14 and 15, it states, The hair of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. So who do you know with woolly hair? Well, that's the black man. Black man got woolly. Well, funny enough, that's actually not true. I've met white people with some very woolly hair. Now, I don't actually like to even think of terms as white and black. That doesn't tell you anything about the person. That doesn't tell you if they're Jamaican, German. That's just very Western, like, thinking, white, black. Okay, is he Jamaican? Is he uh, American? What does that tell you? It doesn't tell you nothing about the the person's actual uh, descent. And so they'll say, 
The hair is white like white wool, like snow. And you can see the comparison as actually comparing between the color, not the texture, right? Because they leave the like snow part out for good reason, right? You can't have mushy, woolly hair, right? Um, and so they'll go, his eyes were like a flame of fire. You, you see that picture, right? It's, he, he looked pretty angry. IUIC has a very disturbing uh, reason for that. The reason his eyes are red like white fire is because Jesus likes to drink a little. So pretty much they make, well, so they'll take that passage where, you know, they accuse him of being a drunkard, I guess literal. And so just telling what they believe, right? Um, And and obviously we can see this is very apocalyptic language, Uh, not, not it's not a physical description of who Christ is. Exactly. So that's a good point. So if Jesus is black, but his face is shiny. Um, well, well, hold on. Before I get there, his feet were were like burnished bronze refined in a, a furnace. So they'll say bronze is brown. Right. But have you ever seen bronze being burned in a fire? It ain't brown no more. It's like reddish, it, it, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, well, matter of fact, it's bright. So <laughs> they're going to have to say he got white feet now. So if you make this descriptive of what he looks like, Jesus is going to look really weird. Very strange, to say the least. And so, yep, uh, yep, yeah, uh, verse 16, the end of that, his face was like the sun shining in full strength. They don't read that part, you know, obviously it would uh, contradict, you know, him being a black, you know. So, um, like I said, I don't have a problem with Jesus being black, but don't be eisegeting the Bible to prove that. That's my whole thing with a lot of their doctrines. Jesus can be black, fine, but don't misuse the text to prove it. That's my whole point. Matter of fact, he probably was darker skinned. Matter of fact, I, I'm pretty sure he was. So what? So what, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's usually some of the things. Now, oh, yeah, that's another picture they like to, right? Christ is a warrior. He's going to come back slaying his enemies. Who are his enemies? Right, the Edomites. So, uh, yep. The Holy Spirit. You may be asking, what is their view of the Holy Spirit? Well, if you think the nature of Christ was bad, the Holy Spirit is worse. So most camps will say, someone give me Acts 7 and verse 51. Because I can't believe that people believe this. It says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. What were they resisting? The law. So they will say the Holy Spirit is actually the law. Well, some camps will ask you to say, and this may be new to some of y'all, even the guys I've talked to, that the Holy Spirit is actually a woman. GOCC, Israel Unite, not not. Not Israel United in Christ, not them, but a group called Israel Unite. 
actually say the Holy Spirit is a woman. That's how Jesus came. Right. Sounds like the shack. Sounds like Mormonism in some kind of way, right? That Jesus is the off, like product of a relationship. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. A new law, right? Like kind of they would have to interpret. How about this? Acts 19, 2. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. They didn't hear there was a law. John seven thirty nine. Now this he said about the spirit. Whom those who ha- who believed in him was to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So if the spirit is the law, why is Jesus saying in John 7 that the spirit had not yet been given? The law already had been given to Moses. Uh, numerous times in Acts, it said the spirit fell upon them was like papyri hitting their heads, like scrolls coming down, like from the sky, just hitting them in the head. Like, obviously, you can see how silly the belief is that the Holy Spirit is a law. Um, yeah. So final moments. Here are some of the other things that they, as we would probably see as maybe strange or heretical. They reject the deity of Christ. It, they kind of have this little God's doctrine. Uh, though they reject the deity of Christ, they actually elevate themselves up to him. And so they believe they are actually gods. Sounds like Kenneth Copeland, right? Sounds like Mormonism. There's actually some strange parallels with them and Mormonism. I'm not accusing them of stealing or biting from them, but there's actually strange parallels, to a, like a lot of parallels with Mormonism. Yes. Right. Well, I guess they'll they'll say kind of like the Jehovah's Witness. He's God, but not the almighty God. Although Revelation 1 calls him the almighty. Uh, anyways, uh, reincarnation slash regeneration. You may be like, why am I putting those two words together? Well, they believe re- regeneration means reincarnation. So um, they'll use the text. Like in John 9, John 9, who sinned? This him, you know, well, I guess they'll have to say Jesus was, even though he says it wasn't him. Um, they'll use that. They'll use John the Baptist with the Elijah analogy, like Elijah has come. Um, they'll use the first Adam and the second Adam in 1 Corinthians 15. That Matter of fact, they believe Christ is Adam. Not, not a shadow, not a type is Adam and is King Solomon. Now you may be like, wait a minute, okay. Those guys sin, so do they? Yes. Christ is a sinner in their view. Christ is a sinner in their view. Christ sinned. As a matter of fact, because they deny the virgin birth, he has a sinful nature. Now, some of the camps will say, no, he didn't sin. Some of the camps will say yes, but all of them deny the virgin birth. So 
in some way they're going to have to say he received a sinful nature. You see how like Pelagianism is like their view of the Israelites because they believe he received a sinful nature through virgin birth, but he lived perfectly. Some of them, like some of them will say he sinned because of reincarnation. Some will say the new covenant hasn't started yet. And there's not really a text they go to. Well, they'll go to the Jeremiah 31 and say, well, it says that you will, uh, yeah, uh, something like you won't be taught. You won't have no need of a teacher for all shall know the Lord. And they'll say, well, you got a pastor, right? <laughs> well, the problem is in First in John, he writes to them saying, you have no need of a teacher. You know, so it's not that the pastor, I mean, that's a role and a function in the church. And matter of fact, Jesus said that he's spilling his blood out for the new covenant. And so, yeah, so they deny the virgin birth. Bootlicking, yes, they would love for they, some of them, made mainly the one West camps, think actually this is a righteous thing to have a Edomite come before them. They'll use Isaiah forty nine twenty three, uh, where actually it talks about these the kings doing that. Funny enough, it's always like some homeless white man who's probably suffering from white guilt uh, gets up there and uh, licks their boot. Um, why? I'll tell you this. That's some of the strangest stuff I've ever seen. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I don't want another guy licking my boot. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, they could think what they want, but that's very disturbing to me. Um, yet they affirm the apocrypha, and they have revenge eschatology. So they'll use Revelation thirteen ten. Those who lead into captivity shall go into captivity. So they'll say, because you enslaved the black man, all white folks will be, or Edomites, Gentiles, will be cast into slavery forever. Unless you were in America, you will be like, some, some view of like, after a thousand years, you'll be kind of cut off. You'll, you'll annihilate. So it's almost better to be an a Edomite in America since you won't have to be slaved anymore for eternity. Um, so you may be like, wait a minute, I, I never enslaved anybody. Well, yes, you did. Reincarnation. So you didn't know it, but you were once maybe a slave owner through reincarnation. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, well, they'll say the blacks were. Who makes that determination? Yeah. Who determines who's coming back as what? Strange thing, because. Like I said, this stuff is so weird. Like, this is their view of how God's going to come back on spaceships. Y'all didn't know that, that that Will and Ezekiel was actually talking about spaceships. Uh, he'll come back, take all his people, all the Edomites will, you know. So you may be like, well, what happens to the Edomites who are a slave forever? Like, what if, what if like, they just ki- kill them? Like, because they'll, they, they'll say, like, we're going to, you know. Well, they come back as babies. Strange thing is, I would like to see a video done about this, like a little skit, because I think it would be hilarious. Like, they would have to literally take care of this baby, like, until they get old enough to, like, enslave them. I kind of think that's funny. But, um, yeah, they'll have all kind of crude jokes, like pictures of little kids in, like, shackles and in chains. It's it's disturbing just to see how they operate, just the hatred in their heart. Um, Right. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus being sinless is very explicit over scripture. Um, but they are blinded because they have a false gospel. They are fueled by hate. I have never seen more hateful people. They make atheists worldview look moral. It's very disturbing. Um, I, I do have future plans to, I, I would like to do debates, um, moderated debates, not internet debates. I'm talking about in person because they'll, they'll invite you on their little show and they'll ridicule you the whole time, cut you off, mute you. And so you can't actually have real debate on some of these platforms. Some, okay, but I want to do in person. Let's get into some of these texts. IUIC told me no. ISUPK told me no. I said, let's do a street debate with GMS. They said no. These guys don't want to debate. They want to run up on pastors on the streets who are not prepared and who don't know. That's usually how they, uh, I guess, win their debates. But people who know their doctrine, they don't want, they don't want to dialogue with them. And so be in prayer for that. Um, I hope this has been helpful for y'all. Um, yeah, just, this is where my heart is right now just to see these people one to the true gospel and, and the Lord's working. And so I hope that's been helpful for y'all. All right, let's go to worship.